Hello and welcome back to another episode of Nick Tiffany's Movie Reviews. Today we're talking Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, the fifth installment in the Indiana Jones saga. This fifth time marking the first film not directed by Steven Spielberg. You know, so if you thought Crystal Skull was a a whiff and, you know, it had to be someone else, it wasn't. That was Spielberg and it wasn't wasn't that great you know we asked years ago did there really need to be another indiana jones after the uh, the last crusade but apparently we needed one apparently hollywood needed one as we know we go back to the drawing board we take what worked and we make it new disney especially above all is you know going to do whatever they can to make money they don't they don't care for better or for worse you know they're going to give fans what they want to a degree but Obviously, we've just been seeing a lot of fan service coming out of Disney. So, Dial of Destiny was one that had an interest for me a little bit, partially because of the director. James Mangold takes over directorial duties in this film. You might know him from Ford vs. Ferrari. He directed The Wolverine and then Logan, uh, which, you know, The Wolverine I actually liked, and Logan, just a freaking fantastic Marvel adjacent movie with Hugh Jackman, incredibly violent, but incredibly relevant to the character. Uh, You know, we did 310 to Yuma, Walk the Line, one of my mom's favorite movies, Kate and Leopold. I'm like, so clearly he loves Hugh Jackman. No Hugh Jackman in Dial of Destiny, unfortunately. Uh, Not that that really would have helped things. But, you know, he's a director who certainly has a flair for action. Um, And there's lots of moments in this film where... The violence in the action is incredibly ramped up. And it didn't totally feel like that Indiana Jones, like, kind of goofy fun violence. Which, maybe now, you know, I can... It's tough. I always go back and forth between, like, alright, this is like... And I'm not sitting here saying this is a hyper-violent movie. But for 70-something-year-old Indiana Jones, 80-year-old Indiana Jones, hopping around carts and shooting, getting shot at in all kinds of horrifying ways... Um, some of it, I don't know, it almost felt just a a little, not out of place, but I just don't know if it worked with the age we're supposed to believe that Indiana Jones is in this movie. Um, it takes place right around 69, 70, kind of when the moon landing is happening. And the first 20 minutes or so set up essentially this dial of destiny and what artifact Indy's kind of going to be searching for later in the movie. And you go back to the end of the uh, the World War II. Indy's been captured by Nazis who are kind of gearing up, trying to take all the different artifacts and arts that they can. Uh, but he's clearly looking for something there. And the whole sequence is done with the de-aging that Disney's done a dozen times now, kind of going all the way back to Rogue One with Admiral Tarkin. Um, and I don't... I've seen some people saying the I'm like, the action is really enjoyable and it's a cool sequence. And I think it would have been great had they made that movie 20 or 30 years ago even. But young, digital, de-aged Harrison Ford, it just didn't totally work for me. It was kind of unsettling from the start. Because obviously everybody knows Harrison Ford doesn't look like that right now. Um, And they kept shining flashlights in his face, like flashlights and searchlights. And it really emphasizes the fact that, yeah, we know he doesn't look like that. And his mouth would kind of move differently than the face would. And I'm over here like, you know, put, put him in the shadows. Just don't, 
don't really show us his face, just like imply that it's him, you know. But then in the shadows, it's like, that's like a totally different actor's nose. That doesn't look like the face that we're seeing. Um, and it, it's fun. It's a good opening sequence if you buy the CGI young Harrison Ford. And again, that kind of like starts the question early in your head. Like, do we really need another Indiana Jones? Especially like now that we're going to jump years, decades into the future and he's retiring as a teacher now. Um, I just didn't, I didn't totally latch on from the beginning. And so when Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who plays his goddaughter, comes out of nowhere talking to him about the artifact that he was looking for with Toby Jones, who plays uh, one of his right-hand men at the very beginning of the film. You know, it's... uh, Mads Mikkelsen. They did his de-aging pretty well. You know, he's always a terrifying guy, so, you know, you, you bring our villain back all these years later, he's responsible for helping the moon landing. Indiana Jones is none the wiser. So Helena, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, shows up, finds Indy at a time where, you know, he's going through a divorce. He's not very happy. There's nothing exciting happening in his life now. And now he's being hunted. And he and Helena have to find the other half of this dial of destiny before Mads Mikkelsen's evil Nazi undercover gets it and potentially turns back time. Not to go full share on everybody, but there's definitely an air of time travel if we can find this device that Archimedes created. You know, he had a a perception of time in the future, and we're going to be able to somehow go back in time. And so this is like the fifth week in a row we've had a movie that kind of deals with time travel and deals with, you know, if we could go back and change this, if we could revisit this past... Which, for an Indiana Jones who's aging, it's, I'm sure, a really attractive concept. And the idea of changing the past, going back and witnessing historical events, I totally get the draw of some of that. And, you know, this wouldn't be a a complete sequel to a bunch of other films if they didn't bring everybody back in. And so you've got John Rhys Davies, who comes back as Salah. Antonio Banderas is in the movie. There's all the little... Hat tips to, oh, look, it's Indy's old whip. It's his old hat, you know. It just felt like I was watching Solo, the Star Wars movie again, where it's like, ah, you know, there's that famous blaster of his. Let me grab that. Don't forget that. Um, It's all pretty obvious stuff where, you know, they'll make a musical cue. John Williams did the music, which is great in this movie. Obviously, his Indiana Jones themes are terrific, and they're mostly well used throughout the film. They definitely try to sucker you in with that emotion where you're like, I'm like, I know that like this isn't really doing for much. Like it's not doing much for me on the screen at the moment, but the music, the music's really. I'm like, that's what you know. There's like there could be an extra star in here just for the music, but you know that was then. That was then me. This is now me. You know my standards have upped a little bit for a three hundred million dollar movie. This movie cost three hundred million dollars. I don't know what I expected, but I expected to enjoy it more than I did. Saw it on a great screen, great sound and everything, receptive crowd. But I think everyone kind of had the same thoughts. It's like this movie's just kind of, he's past his prime. At least in the Star Wars Force Awakens, they let Harrison Ford be old. 
and it kind of serves a purpose as far as maybe passing the torch and, you know, helping Kylo move on. But there were moments in this film where Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones gets really emotional and really talks about not knowing his place in the world anymore as technology and time are changing. And unlike the other films, there was not as big of that ancient civilization, treasure hunt draw. Obviously, they still go searching, and there's definitely historical information throughout the film. But it almost just feels more procedural than it did, like the, you know, we have to get to this place, and we're sliding down chasms, and boulders are chasing us, and you're darting past all sorts of booby traps. And I get it. 70, 80-year-old Harrison Ford can't be doing that. I mean, he broke his leg. I forget on which movie. I don't think it was this movie. Maybe it was. He broke his leg during some movie, and they had to push filming back for a while, and it's like, he's an old guy. He's still turning in great performances, but it's like, you need to not ask so much of him now, I think. Um, But it, I mean, I enjoyed it. It wasn't a bad movie, but... $300 million budget, the director involved, just the feel of the story. I was hoping it would have been a lot better. It has most of the pieces to be better, but I think the direction in which they told the story kind of jumbles things. And at first, you know, there's this old world, new world. Helena's the young, like, ah, you know what? I'm just going to get every artifact I can and sell it. And of course, Indiana Jones is like, no, we got to put these things in museums and, you know, we're going to be button heads for a while. And, and of course, you know, obviously they're going to change their minds probably by the end. You know, I've seen enough movies. You've seen enough movies to know, okay, they're going to complete a character arc. I'm sure they're going to come around and eat their words and be changed by the experiences. But early on, you're kind of like, I, I know these two aren't getting along, but it's not as enjoyable as maybe they thought it was to watch them not get along. Um, And there's just kind of goofy, goofy little moments in between like really serious hardcore action where you're like, oh, that guy should probably be dead. And then someone's joking over here, hanging off the side of a car. Like, I don't know. The moments of seriousness are often underscored by the need to feel like you make a joke or lighten the mood somehow because... It didn't want to go full violence, full, this is hardcore action, this is probably what would happen when treasure hunters are seeking, when Nazi treasure hunters are seeking something that could turn back time for them. Uh, And, you know, they're still respecting the Disney audience, and it's like, hey, you know, we work for the mouse, it's got to be accessible for the family, for young kids and old folks alike. So what you end up with is kind of a mixed bag of a movie that doesn't quite know what it wants to be, and then when you get to the very end, it really just kind of, like, stopped quicker than I imagined it would, really doesn't do itself a favor in the sense of offering Harrison Ford a a terrific emotional moment, a great ending monologue. I don't don't know. I'm, I'm not really spoiling anything here with this, but everything that the film builds up to just really quickly fades at the end and you're kind of left scratching your head like wait what how did we just we just jumped around from this to this and it's it's over it's done and the explanation for it and the finale it's just kind of like man this is I'm like indiana jones already had a happy ending two movies ago you know so there's just moments where 
you can't help but feel like, is this necessary? Is this important? Does it really add a chapter to Indiana Jones that's going to be memorable? Or is this being used to pole vault a new Indiana Jane, Indiana Jones to, I don't know, we thought maybe Shia LaBeouf would take the mantle, but then that movie was just wacky and crazy with aliens and all over the place, and they were like, yeah, maybe not. Maybe we should just let laying dogs lie. And in the end, I really think they should have. I don't see a world where this movie, especially between Flash, Spider-Verse, Little Mermaid, you've got No Hard Feelings, then you've got Barbie and Oppenheimer, Mission Impossible all coming out in the next few weeks. I just feel like this gets lost in the mix, and I don't see word of mouth being so crazy for this that people end up going to the theater when they could just stay home and watch this on Disney Plus in a couple months. And that's clearly the problem that Disney's been having is, number one, people just expect the movies in a couple months to be on streaming. And, again, I don't, you know, a lot of their products they've been putting out, I don't know if you can totally justify, yeah, go spend $15 to see this, or, you know, go spend 50 bucks to take the family before popcorn and whatnot, you know, and you're spending $100, whatever, you know, you... You want a sure thing, but you also want something that feels a little different. And this did not feel different enough for me to feel like, yeah, man, people got to go see this in IMAX opening night. I would go see five other different movies that have come out recently that I think can tell a better story or offer you something that's more consistent and something that's actually, I don't know, something you want to talk about, something that leaves you feeling like, wow, these were some really artistic choices, or this was a really interesting story in this regard. This just kind of leaves you feeling like, wow, I kind of wish they would have just made that movie decades ago. But hindsight's twenty twenty. James Mangold's moving on from here to uh, Team DC to direct Swamp Thing, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out after this film's box office success, because other than James Gunn with Guardians of the Galaxy, The Flash is not doing well. And they dumped a lot of money into that. And Indiana Jones, Dial of Destiny, I don't see this making that money back or really having huge legs this summer. But that's just me. I know I'm a sucker for the Disney ride and the original three movies, especially Raiders myself. And I was just waiting the whole film for those moments of fun and cheesiness and just pure swashbuckling adventure. It just... It never came, unfortunately, for this one. But stay tuned, because next week, we're going to have a Mission Impossible review. I'm going to be doing a, a Mission Impossible ranking with my good friend Aaron over at Feelin' Film. So really looking forward to that. I got to go. I got to watch one through three. So we'll catch you next time with hopefully a positive review for Mr. Cruz. Thanks again.